Amen. Well, good morning, church. You doing good this morning? Amen. Well, welcome to those who are gathered here at College Heights Baptist Church, our second service. And we want to welcome you who are at home, uh, as Kenny said, in your pajamas or your suit and tie or whatever you're in to go to church, because you're having church too. You are the church and you're having church. Thanks for tuning in with us this morning in our second service. And I trust that uh, you're already done with breakfast, but if not, you know, who would have thought that in church we would be having ham and eggs or bacon and eggs and cereal and uh, toast and all the stuff that you're having this morning. We envy you a little bit, uh, honestly. And, uh, but it is good to be in the house of the Lord. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being present with us uh, this morning uh, online as well. Well, hey, uh, I want to talk for a minute uh, to the church uh, from Scripture, Psalm 103, if you would like to turn there, Psalm 103 is where we're going to be today. And um, as Lisa and I, uh, for the first time, are listening through the Bible, you know, uh, we've read through the Bible before, but now we are listening through the Bible together, and instead of doing that, you know, early in the morning, we're doing it at night. So uh, I think we're getting about three quarters of it before we go off snoring to Never Never Land, probably, but we're listening through the Bible, and... Um, we're doing that in our small group. By the way, if you're not involved in a small group, I want to encourage you to get in a small group. That's where you really get connection and, and build some relationships with folks and study God's Word and read God's Word, that kind of a thing. Um, if you don't want to be present with somebody, maybe we need to make some, uh, get some online groups together. I know our groups met on Zoom from time to time. Now we're meeting back again um, face-to-face. But in our small group, we're reading the Bible through in our small group. And we are, uh, uh, during that period of the week, uh, we'll come across a prayer. We usually come across at least one, uh, especially reading through the Psalms right now in our uh, listening through the Bible. And so that becomes the focal point of our Bible study in our small group. And so I go to sleep now listening. Uh, it starts out with Psalms, uh, goes to a, a proverb, a New Testament, a couple of New Testament passages. So we're, we're in the Psalms part. So I am dreaming, I don't know what you dream about, but for the first time in my life when I go to sleep, I am dreaming about the book of Psalms. <laughs> it's crazy. So I was dreaming about the book of Psalms uh, this morning early on, and uh, I was asked to fill in this morning, and so, so I got up really early this morning and uh, went to the book of Psalms, and I was actually dreaming about Psalm 105 and Psalm 108, because we've had those the last few weeks. Isn't that crazy? And, um, and so I got to looking this morning, and I want to share from, from Psalm 103 with you the first five verses from God's Word today. And uh, you could call this uh, Remembering God's Blessings. You could call it that. Uh, certainly that's a great uh, topic to look at in the Word of God as we break down Scripture this morning. Uh, since, you know, we've got one more Sunday, we've got Thanksgiving. And if you're not careful you will miss uh, thinking about the blessings of God during the holidays if you're not careful, because there's so much, right? There's just so much. Uh, politically, uh, globally, and uh, locally, there's just so much pressure on us right now, trying to navigate life and leadership um, in, a, uh, in a new emerging world is what all of us are trying to do. How do you get off of pause to play and and uh, how do you quit tying um, the present into the past and plan for the future? I mean, how do you do these things? Uh, some of us are doing that at our workplace, and, 
and uh, learning how to do that in life as well. Well, this morning, we want to make sure that as we approach the holiday season, Thanksgiving in a week or so, Christmas coming up, that we, the people of God, do not buy into a dark winter. There is no dark winter in our life when you know Jesus, right? Uh, there's only brightness that the sun brings. And so focusing this morning on not what's happening to us, not what globally and locally is going on around us, but what God wants to do in us, how God wants to work through us, that will be our context for the scripture this morning. And uh, we'll see what God teaches us today. I'm glad the Holy Spirit is the teacher and not me. That, that relieves my responsibility. And so uh, we're going to look today at Psalm 103. And I want you to notice the first couple of verses, how there's some repetition here, and there's a reason for that emphasis we'll talk about. And then <clears throat> verses 3, 4, and 5 give us these five benefits, these five great benefits as children of God that we're going to talk about today. He calls them benefits. I call them a spiritual benefits package. I remember uh, working as a kid. I started working early. You know, when there are 11 kids in your family, you work early. You start learning how to work pretty early. Number 10, and um, I'm number 10. And all of a sudden, I can remember working, I guess, my first job picking up hay in the field for, I think it was three cents a bale. That's how old I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it had no benefits whatsoever. <laughs> I think I was about 13 when I started, with, started picking up hay. And uh, you could just see the hay in the field. You, could, you couldn't see the end of the field with the hay in it. It was so encouraging in about 100 degree heat in the southern part of Illinois. And I can remember picking that up. That was big money. Boy, I, was, uh, I would pick up a lot of hay. And then it went to a nickel a bale. Oh, man. I'm like, that's almost double. I'll do it. I'll do it, you know. Um, and uh, later in life, I got a few jobs and then became, got a construction job. And I realized, I, I, I discovered this word in the work world as I progressed and got older. It's called benefits package. Some of you <laughs> know what I'm talking about. Some of you may not get a benefits package, but though that's something you want to work toward, right, in, in the work world, in your work life. You want a benefits package. You, you want some uh, time you get paid for, you don't have to work. You uh, want some uh, help on insurance coverage. You want, you know, holiday pay and stay at home and eat cake. You want things um, that are beneficial for you. And many of us today in the work world are old enough where we understand what a benefits package looks like. Well, a David in the psalm outlines our benefits package as Christians. It's kind of amazing. So... You, early in your life, whether you're a Christian from a week ago, a day ago, uh, 37 or 8 years like me, or anything in between, it doesn't matter. God treats us all the same with the same benefit package that David talks about here. And what David does is, he says to us in this psalm, in a prayer. Aren't you glad our pastor, Pastor Scott, is leading us through a series on prayer? Oh my goodness, if there was ever a topic that we need to zero in on in these days, it is communicating with God, it is prayer. And so here's David's prayer outlining this amazing benefits package, this spiritual benefits package that you and I have 
in Christ. And it's right here in the Old Testament. Let me read it to you. We'll break it down this morning. And um, in the context again of what David is modeling um, and trying to practice himself. And here's what he says. Listen to this prayer. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Now, look what he's doing. Bless the Lord, verse 1. Bless his holy name, verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So you see that verse 1 and 2 there, those verses. You see this repetition. We'll come back to that. Verse 3. Here's what he does. He forgives all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth with good things. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Wow. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful to be in your presence today. Our friends, our church family, our guests who are at home uh, in a vehicle, on their phone, on a computer, watching, streaming on TV with others. God, those of us who are right here at College Heights, God, we gather today in the name of Jesus. We're here for no other reason. We're here to to really receive nothing but to give ourselves to you today to work in our life. Lord, our prayer today is that we would put aside all the things that are going on around us. We would put aside at this moment all those things that are happening to us that we could complain about, that we could blame others for. Lord, as we put away what's going on around us, happening to us, Lord, we focus now on what you want to do in us, what you want to do through us. God, help us to capture the essence of what you want to teach us as a people of God this morning from your word. Lord, it is not me, it is you, the Holy Spirit, who not just welcome in this place, but you are our teacher today. God, there would be so much understanding and application come from Scripture today because of who you are in us. So we want to thank you right now. We want to bless you, Lord. And we bless you by coming into your presence and focusing for these moments, these, this, uh, this time of looking at your word, thinking through your word together, and allowing you, as we open up our heart and mind, to speak truth into our life. Do that now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So let's take a look at this benefits package. Let's take a look this morning at Psalm 103 in this context of remembering God's blessings. I don't know about you, but um, my memory is fading. (laughs) My memory is fading. And uh, we're going to talk about some things that cause us to not remember uh, as well as uh, this kind of warning about that. So what what is David doing? He is praying. It is a psalm. He's singing, but it is a prayer put to a song. And um, I'm I'm not much of a singer. I love music. I like to listen to it. And as long as my mic is on mute, I'll sing. But uh, you believe me, you do not want me to sing with my mic unmuted. But uh, there's a difference in being a good singer and making a joyful noise. I'm the joyful noise guy. (laughs) Some of you are good singers, but, but I understand what it means to just open risk not knowing much about how to sing, 
but the, the words that come out of your heart into your lips to God are joyful. And that's, that's what David's doing here. David is speaking some truth um, then to himself in a prayer, but through his prayer, we're going to learn something very important today. He says three times, bless. Bless the Lord. Uh, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord. What's David doing? Well, he is saying, the word bless here means to praise. Uh, we understand that. We get that concept, but I'm not sure we really understand what praise really even is. Uh, praise is an act of adoration for God. That's what praise is. So praising God means that we are acting in a way that we show our adoration to our God. And sometimes acting in a way that shows adoration is on our face. It's lifting our hands. It's singing. Uh, it's praying. Uh, voicing to God what, is, what He already knows is in our heart, but putting it to words to Him. I think God likes that when we do that. God is omniscient, so He already knows everything. But I think um, He enjoys knowing everything and then knowing what we're going to do even before we do it. But there's something about us following through with an act of adoration that the Bible says God, that triggers God inhabiting that, right? You remember that verse? God inhabits the praise of his people. That's a great verse of scripture, right? So when we praise God, when we are in, in deep thought about him, um, with whatever kind of an act of adoration, whether it's a, whether it's a study at the desk and we're just, tears are coming down, that's an act of adoration. Oh, God. Whether it's a, in a having church model, like this morning, where we've been church, been doing church and been being church. By the way, when you're doing church and being church through the week, having church on Sunday means so much more. It's so much more fulfilling. Let me just encourage you about that. Um, when you're not being church and doing church and you're having church, it is way less fulfilling. And we tend to be critical and pick everything apart and um, it's, it's our way of coping with not being right with God in our doing and our being as a Christian. Make sense? Amen? And, and, and so David is at a time in his life where he is being and doing for God what God wants, and now he is having, he is spending time with God in a very fulfilling way in his prayer. It is an act of adoration. He is blessing the Lord, and it is a repetition. It is repetitive three times. And so when you repeat something three times, you've got to look at the emphasis and the expression out of that emphasis. So anytime you see repetition in the Bible, New Testament or Old Testament, and it's repeated, it's not filling up the page like we often do when we write a paper and say it a different way. He says it almost the exact same way. The word bless is the same word there. It means an act of adoration. It, it he wants God to inhabit his praise. He wants to sense the presence of God. He wants to be right there as close in communion with God as he can possibly be. In fact, the word here for, uh, for bless means to be filled with strength. Why does it mean that? To, to bless him, bless the Lord means I want to be filled with your strength. I want to be so close to you. I want to recognize praise is all about who God is. Thanksgiving is all about what God does. 
So he's going to thank God in verses uh, uh, 3, 4, and 5 here for these five benefits. But right now he's praising God. Uh, he, he, is, he is being filled with God's strength. Listen, if you, want, if you want more of God, then give more of yourself to God. Amen. If you want strength in your life, that creates such a firm foundation that this world does not push you around. If, if you want the kind of strength that God desires you to have, you must spend time with God. You must, you must recognize who He is as Creator from creation. You, you must think of Him in ways that you haven't thought about Him before. You must get a little creative in how you see God in a biblical context, of course. And, and that will create a strength in you to follow Him. It will create a strength in you to be obedient. It will create a strength in you, and the list could just go on and on and on. And so David says, bless the Lord. So that is the repetitiveness three times in these what we call two verses. As you know, this wasn't separated into verses like we have. But, but now uh, we see as we look at that word, bless the Lord, that what he's saying in his emphasis is that I want your strength because I can't be a man after your own heart. Remember, that's, that's his characterization in Scripture. David's a man after God's. I can't be a man after your own heart without your strength. I can't be a king without your strength. I couldn't even be a shepherd boy without your strength. You see, you and I can't be who God wants us to be without what? His strength. His strength is the key. It's not living in our own power and strength and might, but His. And, and so he says, bless the Lord. Um, and so the emphasis here is getting the strength of God as you recognize who He is, what He does, praise, thanksgiving. And, and in, this, in this process, uh, there, there is this sense here uh, of, of how He expresses it before he begins to recognize the benefits. Because you never recognize benefits without recognizing where and who they come from. Amen? And having a, an attitude of gratitude and some appreciation for it. And if you're not careful, you'll complain about what benefits you don't have rather than the ones you do have. Oh, booyah, right? Amen? I mean, that's what we do. That's our flesh. But here is a benefits package that is not in this world. It is a benefits package that God gives us that is out of this world. I'm afraid my, I have a Bible that is a two-part Bible. See that? Yeah. So I'm going to put that here because I just about lost my Bible out of there. So that covers off. So here's what, uh, here's what he says. Now, here's the benefits package. He, he, he says, bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul is a, uh, a term here that means with all my inner self, with my complete self. I am going to bless you. I'm going to, I am going to give acts of adoration to you because I recognize who you are, what you do as creator set apart from creation me. And I'm going to do it in ways that you recognize it and that you inhabit the praise of your people. The, me, I, I want you to inhabit me because that's where I get my strength from, blessing you. That's where I get my strength from is when God, when you inhabit me. Now you have to remember, this is Old Testament, right? 
New Testament is when we, we pick up on the Trinity. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Father without flesh. Uh, the Son with flesh. The Holy Spirit, what? In flesh. Here's David saying, come in me. Oh Lord, dwell in me. Uh, this is a New Testament concept that David has no clue what he's even talking about. But, but God is leading him in his prayer for his own understanding as, as uh, much as he could understand it. God, I recognize that, that, that you are set apart from me without flesh as God. I, I recognize that you have a, a salvation that you are headed toward that I'm not aware of, but my faith connects me to you in a relationship. But God, I recognize the big need for me is that you, you live in me. That's what he's saying. Isn't that good stuff in the Old Testament? We see that concept in the New Testament with Christ. Where Christ comes, the Father uh, in the flesh comes. He who is without flesh takes on flesh. John's Gospel. In the flesh he comes. So here's the Father without flesh. Jesus comes. He is with flesh. And when he leaves, he provides the Holy Spirit to be in flesh. David, this concept, he's yearning for that. He's saying, oh God, bless you. I give you acts of adoration because of who you are and what you do. And, and, and it is with all of myself, oh my soul, all of who I am, I recognize that my strength comes from you, bless. And because my strength comes from you, you inhabit that. You come and inhabit me is what David is saying when he's blessing God. Now, even on this side of the cross, Jesus living in us and he inhabiting the praise of his people is just like putting the icing on the cake. It's like the meringue on the pie. Amen. It, it, it's, it's, like the, uh, it's like the cream between the two pieces of Oreo, right? It, it completes it. It completes it. And so, how long has it been since you have drawn your strength from Him? How, how long has it been uh, that you have broken the pattern of doing it in your own strength? How long has it been? This is something I'm so aware of because I'm such a driven guy that I constantly every day have to say, God, oh, what am I doing? Lord God, I'm do trying to do it. I'm trying to do it. God, can, can, can we do it? No? Okay, you do it through me. Okay, I get it, God. I mean, this is something we all must deal with on a daily basis, allowing God to, you know, again, focusing on what's going around me, what's happening to me, or choosing to focus what, what, what God is doing in me and wants to do through me, right? That's the key. And, and so David is yearning for that uh, with all my soul and uh, bless his holy name. Um, holy just means set apart as creator versus creation. Name is the identity of God. Uh, that's what it's pointing to. And then he says, forget not all his benefits. What's that mean? It, it, it means um, to not lose your ability to remember who and what God does. That's what it means, very simply. You would go, well, amen, of course, right? But let's just be honest about it. I, I, I don't know about you, but there are a lot of things that causes me not to remember how good God is. Um, I, you know, there are a lot of things. I'm, I'm getting old and I'm 62, so I'm getting that age now where I'm remembering 
a long time ago, but can't remember yesterday. You know, are you, are you tracking with me? <laughs> yeah. Amen. Um, and, and I'm forgetting things. But, but that's part of growing older. But that's not what he's talking about here. Uh, when, he, when he says to not uh, forget, what, what he's really saying is, do not let life cause you. Do not, let, do not allow the things in life to cause you to forget God. I don't know about you. I mean, I, I hate to admit, I'm 35 years in ministry. I'm, I'm that deep. I'm an alcoholic biker that never heard the gospel at age 23 who came to Christ after a few weeks. My wife discipled me. I didn't know what prayer was. When she told me we need to give 10% to the church, I'm like, are you crazy? We give money to those people? That's weird. I mean, you know, I, she discipled me, right? 35 years in ministry. I wish I could stand up here and tell you that that I, do, I never let life get in the way of remembering how good God is. But I can't. I can't tell you that. And I, I bet you can't tell me that either. And, and that's what he's saying here. He's saying um, it, it's, it's a warning. Uh, uh, there's, some, there's some negativity here as well as some, something positive about being, it a, about being a benefit. If you have a benefits package at work, and you never use it, is it really a benefit? <laughs> you know? uh, uh, Jason, I'm going to have to lose vacation this year because I didn't. That's terrible. That's terrible. I didn't use that benefit, right? Um, there, that's what he's talking about is that concept. Um, and forget not all, all his benefits. All. That, that word all is different from the other word all in verse 3 who forgives all your iniquities. We'll look at that word, but this word all means everything. Just like the word all would. So, so be careful about things in life causing you to forget how good God is. To forget the benefits that you have. The benefit package that God has given you in Christ as a follower of Jesus. It's an amazing Benefit pack. There's nothing that can match it in this world because it is a benefits package out of this world from another world. And, and, and so he says, uh, forget not all his benefits. And here they are. Verse 3. Here's the first benefit. Who forgives all your iniquities. Wow. Maybe you've read this psalm before. I've read it so many times until I studied it. I've studied it for a few years and and uh, God laid it on my heart this morning, and I got back up and studied it, put this together real quickly. But I'm just telling you, you could just quit here. Uh, this is like the best benefit of any benefits package you could ever hope for. No, I want more vacation. <laughs> yeah. That would be the best for me. No, it would not. What would be best for you is eternal life. What would be best for you is to be set free from bitterness anger. What would be best for you is to move from foe to friend with God. That's what this means. He says, who forgives all your iniquities. And so forgiveness is the first and rightly so benefit in our benefit package that is totally out of this world that is, that is there at no cost to us, God paid all the cost. He pays all, because there's no free gift, right? 
I mean, there's nothing that's free. Somebody pays somewhere for what somebody else gets that's free. We know that. Um, but we talk a lot about free. But no, no, there's nothing free. Nothing free in this world, and there's nothing free in the world we're going to. Jesus paid for what we got free. Grace. So, the word here, um, it is the first and greatest benefit he mentions. And forgiveness is that, that thing that releases and relieves us in a way that only God can provide for us. Is to turn loose of angst. To turn loose of whatever we have against someone and it needs to start here with ourselves. To forgive ourselves. One of the, you know, part of my demon is in counseling. I, I don't counsel much anymore. I just do coaching. But one of the things I've studied a lot is this idea of forgiveness. Because I had to, I mean, I grew up in a very dysfunctional family as an alcoholic biker. So you can imagine how much forgiveness I needed to give myself and still do with baggage today. But without learning how to deal with this idea of forgiving myself, you will never turn loose of stuff you have against other people. You just won't. There will only, you'll, you'll have a lid. You'll knock against that lid, not learning how to forgive yourself and understanding that God has forgiven us past, present, and future. Doesn't mean we have a license to sin. It just means that it sets us free from that burden, that obligation to pay that debt because He paid it already. And so He says, here it is. He says, I... Um, I, I have this benefit. For who, who, the benefit is who, you are the one who forgives all your iniquities. Um, did you know you're crooked? Boy, somebody said that to you, you would be like offended. I am not! I got news for you, you are. Because you have iniquity. You have sinfulness. David uh, was at a point in his life where he's right with God here. But that wasn't always true of David. There were other times in David's life where he uh, had iniquity. He was living in iniquity. Uh, he, he, he needed to learn how to forgive himself for things he had done and the consequences he had experienced. And some of those God gave him. He had children die. He, I mean, you just go down the list. Um, he was a murderer. Bathsheba's husband. I mean, you can just go down the list for David. A man after God's own heart. That's what he's called. And he says, oh, my benefits package. Thank goodness, God, you are the one who forgives all your my iniquity. The word iniquities means crookedness. That's the word there. That's a better English translation for us than iniquity, except we wouldn't understand that it is sin that he's talking about if we didn't use the word iniquity. So we use that word for the Hebrew rendering here. But the better, plainer uh, word, the more direct word, is crookedness. You are not a, you're not straight. You have a lot of things that have to be worked out in you. Are you that way? You, you got a lot of stuff that needs to be worked out? Listen, if you lie about that, you lie about other things. Amen. And, and not only that, if, if you don't, recognize that about yourself, it kind of characterizes where you are. You're probably to the, to the left of milk in your journey, right? Disciples' journey, no birth, new birth, milk, meat, maturity. Recognizing where you are 
so that as God works in your life to transform you and move you to the right in that disciple's journey is so critically important. We're all crooked. Oh yes, we're perfect in our position because Jesus redeemed us. That's the next one. He paid the price. But we are still so sinful in our practice even as believers. It's been covered by the blood. It's been taken care of, past, present, and future. That's what he, that's what he means by uh, you're the one who forgives our iniquities. But I can, I can tell you that while you will never be sinless, you must learn through transformation how to sin less. Because when you follow Jesus over a period of time, and you begin to recognize your strength comes from Him, and you stop allowing things of the world in this life to cause you to forget that, you become a better follower. You develop in ways you never developed before. You move to the right quickly of milk, and you begin to proceed toward maturity. At that perfect place that you won't reach perfectly, but you strive for. And, and, and so he says... Um, who forgives all your iniquities. Here, here's the second one. Who heals all your diseases. The word all here means a different word. It means able. See, name it, claim it would pick up the English here and go, God heals all our diseases. And, and uh, put God in a box and uh, uh, claim a formula and expect God to do what you want Him to do. But that's not God. That's not God. God does what He wants. Right? God, uh, God is a God who looks at sickness and disease and says, within the context of my will for you, and within the way I have set up creation and made things operate, I am able to heal any sickness you have. Able. Able. That's what Daniel said, right? Hey, we won't bow down. Um, our God is able. I mean, he, he can... I didn't say He would. I said He's able. If He chooses to, in His sovereignty, because God has sovereignty. God is sovereign. God makes His decisions uh, different than you and I do. God makes His decisions based on Him. We make decisions based on God, godly counsel, uh, Scripture, open doors. We, we make decisions based on other criteria. Not God. God is God. Uh, he is sovereign in His decision making. And, and so, it's like Daniel and his friends, right? It's like, hey, you, you, can, burn us, uh, you can burn us up, but a God is able. If he, if he chooses so in His sovereignty, He'll come in here and do something. And if He doesn't, that's okay too, right? Because He's able. That's, that's the word here. All. So, in this, in this verse, he, who forgives all your iniquities or everything, past, present, future, who heals all your diseases. It doesn't mean He will heal every disease you come across and every time you get sick, God will heal you. It means that in His sovereignty, He is able. And He has already put in motion ways for you to be healed. And it is that you have an immune system in your body that can help you heal. Uh, you have people that He has gifted who are healers uh, many of them don't even know him, but he uses them just like he did in the Old Testament. Used kings and kingdoms who didn't follow him. A donkey. An animal. I, I mean, God uses what he wants in his sovereignty. 
So, so in that context of healing all your diseases, God is able in His sovereignty to make the best decision for you. You are never in a position to make the best decision for you. God is. God is. That's why we search His will. That's why we pray. That's why we ask Him when we're sick. God, if it's your will, right? Isn't that what Jesus, Jesus is in the garden three times trying to test God's will. Finally, he's like, okay, I got it. I got it. This is your will. Cross is your will. I got it. Let's go, boys. Let's go. That's, a, that's not a King James, New King James. That's a Jimmy, Jimmy Hamilton rendition there. But basically, that's what it is. So he says, who heals all your diseases. And, and um, look what else he says here. Um, who redeems your life from destruction. Here's the third benefit package. So God can uh, uh, forgive you, past, present, future. He can, uh, for, he can heal you. He's able in His sovereignty. He chooses. How? Let your body heal itself. A gifted people or His healing touch. Any of those three. It's, he is able. Uh, and, and some, and, and, or nothing. Or nothing. That's the fourth option, right? Or nothing. He, he just allows it to happen. God is sovereign. And, and now we see this third benefit. Who redeems your life from destruction. What's he talking about? Redeems your life from destruction. He's talking uh, this word redemption, to redeem. You know that word from Bible study. It means to buy back. To redeem something means to buy it back. And, and obviously through Christ, He has bought us back because in the garden there's fallen humanity happens. And you and I are born a sinner into a sinful world. And until we come to an age of accountability where we recognize the need for Jesus, um, there is this pulling, this courting, this pursuing where God pursues us in our lostness and we may not even know it. And then there is this calling on the church, God's people, to be His ambassador, to be His witness uh, to make disciples. And so you couple God's pursuing people in lostness to draw them to Himself, even though they don't know that's what's going on, with God positioning God's people to give a word of encouragement, to care, to love, to show a different way to live. And then finally at some point, to speak the gospel. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And and uh, comes by hearing doesn't always mean voice. It means heart. I understand it. I get it. I can remember going to church for the first time, coming home, hearing my pipe fitter, bivocational pastor share the gospel at age 23, never being to church, reading the Bible, and hearing him talk about Jesus dying on the cross. I remember going home, and I didn't hear it. I didn't get it in my heart. I, I said to Lisa, that stuff about that dude dying on the stick is weird. That's what I said. I remember saying that almost 38 years ago. And she's like, huh? Because that's lost talk, right? What? I'm like, you heard me, the, the dude that died on the stick? That pipe fitter pastor talk? I wouldn't even went to the church, but I was an iron worker in construction. He was a pipe fitter. God had that worked out too, right? And I went, heard the gospel for the first time. I couldn't believe it. But that's how I understood it. I went back again, so convicted for the first time in my life of sinfulness. I didn't even know that word. I just thought that was normality. I thought that was normal. Right, Daniel? You get it. And, and, 
and I can remember hearing it again and, and God pursuing me, giving me a deeper understanding of the gospel. And it finally, after a few times, it turned from the dude that died on the stick to, oh my goodness, that's God in the flesh. He loves me and everybody else so much. He died for our bad stuff. Oh my goodness, I couldn't stand it. It was the love of God, right, that breaks our heart. And, and here's what he says. He says, who redeems your life from destruction. He bought us back through the death of his son. He in the flesh, his son, Jesus, paid the price for our sin. And offers us life in Christ. If we will repent or turn to him rather than walking away from him, doing what we want, living like we want, uh, and turn to him and live his life for us as he helps us and empowers us to do so. And, and so he, he says, who redeems your life from destruction. The word destruction is an amazing word right here. It means the pit. It means the grave. It means death. It means hell. But it does not mean what a lot of people think it means. It does not mean the loss of existence. You exist whether when you die, you exist whether you go to hell or heaven. You exist. The Bible's plain. You don't just, you don't just go into nothing and not exist anymore. No, your shell doesn't exist anymore. But you do. And he says, this is why God redeemed you is because He doesn't want you to be separated from Him. He doesn't want you to experience a loss of well-being in your existence. What a blessing. What a benefit in our benefits package. And then He says, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. This is probably my favorite one here because it was love that broke my heart and brought me to Jesus. It wasn't the death of hell. Uh, I mean, it wasn't the fear of death and hell. It was love. And, and, and here's what he says, who crowns you. When you think of a crown, you probably think of the front dimension, the, this dimension. And you think of the stuff the crown does, you know, that image. But his image is, is a top-down image. And when you think of a crown and you're looking down on a crown, what do you see? You see a circle. And that's the word he uses here. Um, who crowns you, who encircles you. It, it, it's like the old Western I used to watch when I was a little kid. You know, all those Westerns were the same, cowboys and Indians. You know, there's always a wagon train, and they're always going to California or somewhere from the east, and, and you've got Indians who are attacking them, and what's the first thing they do in an attack with a wagon? Circle them up, baby. Yeah. That, that top lead guy, cowboy's like, circle the wagons. Circle them up. Provides protection. It, it provides um, stability. It provides everything they need to as, as the, the enemy came against them. Um, this is the concept here. It, it is the concept of who crowns you. He, he encircles you. And here's what he encircles you with. Loving kindness. Loving kindness. So when he says here that he encircles you, he's... He's talking here about this, uh, this never-ending supply of His presence. This never-ending supply of his, of his love. This never-ending supply. It's a supply chain that never runs dry. You know, I, I'm hearing that people are buying up everything in the store again. You know, 
I'm like, really? Really? Uh, my goodness, that's, that's kind of a panic kind of a thing at this point for sure. You could go and you might not get some things in a supply chain, but when you are walking with God, it is an endless supply chain. Always experience His presence. You will always experience His love. You will always get His provision. And so that's what He says. He crowns, He encircles you with loving kindness. Loving kindness here means the kindness or the favor of God. He encircles you with His favor. Isn't that, I mean, picture that. Man, you talk about being able to brag on God. When you know that in his benefits package, that everywhere you go, you got a circle around you. Everywhere you go. It's not like it's a circle and you go, oh, something's coming, i got to get in that circle. You know, It's not like goose, goose, duck, duck, or whatever it is. You know? We're not talking about that. I mean, we're talking about everywhere you go, everywhere you walk, everywhere you are, wherever you are, when, you're, when you know Jesus, when you are in Christ, when he inhabits you, and there is something so spectacular and supernatural about that. I don't think we think deep enough about that. We are encircled by His protection and His, and, and His provision. We are encircled by the supply chain of love and the ability to connect with Him and others in a way that moves the kingdom forward. It's amazing. And so we are encircled with that. That's what He says. Our time's gone, so the last one, number five, is satisfaction. Here's what he says. He says, um, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Verse 5, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So what's he mean? Who satisfies your mouth? Well, he's not talking about the chocolate pie uh, or the uh, coconut cream pie, my favorite that Zach went to Brothers Cafe, our cafe we own, last night, because it's Saturday and we're not open on Sunday. And, it, it, and it's, I think my brother, Lindell, our chef, made it Friday and uh, brought those two pies home last night. I'm gluten-free. We're, we're, satisfaction doesn't mean more. It means whatever's just right that God designs for you. It's not more or less. That's not... That's not what is de- satisfaction is not dependent on more or less. Those, that's not the barometer. That's not the thermometer. It, it's different here. It, it's what is just right for you. And, and it may not be what's right, just right for somebody else, but it's what's right for you. That pie was so good. I was so sinful. I didn't, I didn't even touch that chocolate pie. But I could not resist my favorite pie that my mom used to make that my brother makes even better, believe it or not. And, and it's, it's that coconut cream pie. Now I'm getting you hungry, right? I had a piece and I went, oh no. I thought that would satisfy me, but it did not. It hurt me. <laughs> it hurt me, right? So, so this is what he says, satisfaction. He, he's talking about uh, filled to a level where you need nothing else from God. It's good. I'm good. I'm good. Can you, can you say that today? God, when David says, in your benefits package, uh, it is God who provides that satisfaction through your mouth. The mouth doesn't mean literally through your mouth. It is the entry point into your body 
where you digest things. Where, where you get the nutrients for life that you need. And that's why he uses mouth here. God uh, gives your whole self exactly what you need to be satisfied. <clears throat> satisfied in Him. Satisfied with where you are. Uh, in the New Testament, a word that comes to mind that's very similar that Paul talks about is contentment. Contentment. This, this word in the Greek, in the context of an Old Testament understanding of theology, is satisfaction. God, I am satisfied in you. I, and, and that means now I'm satisfied with who I am, where I am, what I have. I'm content with that. Um, with good things. All things from God are good. So let me, let me ask you today as we end our time together. Um, do you have this benefits package? Are, are you using it? Is it kicking in for you? Let me tell you, uh, it's not available to you if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord. It's only, I mean, this is an out-of-this-world benefit package that is only available, but is available to every single person who is a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, you're watching at home today. We're gathered here at College Heights in our worship center. Um, wherever you're watching from today, Maybe you're, gonna, maybe you're watching and it's in the future here, this week or beyond. Let me tell you what the Bible says. This is not rocket science. This is not denominationalism. This is not religion. This is God saying that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And in the context of him saying that in Romans, it is God who is pursuing you. I remember uh, for the first, I heard the gospel for the first time in my life, I felt bad about stuff. I'd never felt bad before that. If, if you're wondering, maybe God's been pursuing you and, and you've not fully committed your life to Christ, but you've been thinking about it, now's the time to do that wherever you are. Just in here, uh, at home, or wherever you are today, it's, it's not rocket science, it's simple. God loves you. But you are a sinner, separated from God. Um, sinner is not a bad word. It's just a word that characterizes all of humanity, all of us. God loves you. You are a sinner. And because you are a sinner, you are in need of a Savior. Because a sinful creation cannot be in the presence of a God who knows no sin, who is holy and just. And so God remedied that. He, 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 the remedy for that is that Jesus died on the cross to redeem by us back. And when we say yes to Him, and, and, and God is pursuing us, we feel He's drawing us to Him, and we sense that in our life, and He's getting us to make a commitment to follow Him. You say, I can't follow Him. That's what I thought too, 38 years ago almost. You can. And here's the, here's the secret of why you can. He helps you. He does it. You do what you do. He does his part. You do your part. Your part initially is to say, yes, God, I know you love me. Yes, I'm a sinner. Yes, Jesus died for me. That paid the price for my sin. Yes, I commit my life to you knowing that I'm not worthy and I can't do it in my own strength, knowing that you will have to help me. And God says, well, of course, of course, I'll help you. That's who I am. I'm the helper. 
In fact, I will put a helper in you. I will put a helper in you who will lead you, who will convict you, who will guide you, encourage you, counsel you. He'll, he'll do it all. He is your help. He will help you move from no birth to new birth when you receive me to milk to me and to maturity. So I'm going to encourage you online today or in here, if you've never received Christ as your personal Savior and Lord to do that. I'm not going to recite some prayer and have you, have you uh, um, pray it and then believe you've received Christ. You need to do it yourself. You just need to say to him however you can, God, thanks for loving me. I, I don't know why or how you do, but you do. You're God. Uh, I know I'm a sinner. Uh, I repent or I change direction, my own direction, and now I change direction to follow you. And, and I repent and I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin yesterday, today, forever, because you said you would. It is your promise. It is a proclamation in Scripture. I believe it. I, I'm going to ask you to do that right now, Father. And I'm committing my life to follow you with your help. No, you know, big fireworks are going to go off. It's, it's going to be your personal commitment to Him that He will honor 100% even when you're feeling like you're not honoring it. But God, you, listen, when you're part of the family of God, nothing can snatch you out of His hand. So would you do that right now? Just pray that right now online with us today. If there's somebody that needs to do that when uh, our uh, worship team is singing in a moment, I'll, uh, I'll be standing right over here to the side. I'd be glad to pray with you to receive Christ today. Let me pray right now. Father, we love you. Thank you for your benefits package. Thank you, God, for all that you do. Thank you, God, for who you are. You are trustworthy. Father, uh, we've been able to um, worship you this morning in spirit and truth. Thank you that you have inhabited the praise of your people because we bless you today. Thank you, God, for all of these benefits. We pray we would remember them in this season of thanksgiving beyond that end of this holiday season of Christmas. God, may we be a people who focus more on what you want to do in us and through us than we do about what's going on around us and happening to us. Help us be your people. Lord, for those who need to receive you today, by your power and strength, we claim it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's stand together as we sing. Mm -hmm.